0: Just remember, I remember at the top of the mark, just being like, just really relaxed. And um, even though the ball went before, and I was like, oh god, it might be happening again. Um, I just remember being really relaxed, and and then I just knew that the, the work that I put in that year uh, was going to help me in, the, in those tough moments.
1: Welcome to another Cricket Scotland podcast. I'm Jake Perry.
2: And I'm
3: Rosie Ryan. It's been a great week of Scottish cricket once again, with loads of excitement in the Western and Eastern leagues. Samir Zia and Chris McCutcheon will give us their thoughts on the featured game from the West. And we'll be joined by Gary Heatley in a little while to talk about another big week in the Eastern Premier. And we will hear from Grange captain
1: Tom Folds. We'll also have all the news from the Women's Super Series, where the Sutton Eleven came roaring back to draw a level with the Rosses. We'll hear from Katie McGill, Becky Glenn, and the Mega McCall a little bit later on. Scotland's biller Mark Watt will be with us shortly too to look forward to the T twenty World Cup and back on the 2016 competition, Scotland's last appearance in a major global tournament.
3: But first, the news from the week gone by. After Callum McLeod and Safian Sharif made their mark for the Kent Spitfires in the last two games of the Vitality Blast Southern group, George Munsey came out to the fore for the county Eight in the Royal London Cup, first equaling his best-ever list A score of 96 against Durham, then surpassing it against the Worcestershire Rapids with a magnificent 108. Coming off 113 balls and featuring 14 fours and two sixes, it was a fabulous innings. Sealed with a four as the Spitfires put on 322. Sadly, that wasn't quite enough for Kent, but with 204 runs so far, the Scotland start is making quite an impression.
1: And the same is true of the 100, where Sarah Bryce, Catherine Bryce and Abduha Maksud all started for their respective sides in their opening games this week. Oval Invincible Sarah took the first catch and the first stumping of the competition, as Catherine put in some brilliant work in the field for Trent Rockets too, while has second game for Birmingham Phoenix saw her bowl her full allocation of 20 balls and take two for 14, including the prized wicket of South African star Mignon de Prier. She's conceded only one boundary in the 25 balls she's bowled in the tournament so far, quite a record already.
3: On the domestic front, many congratulations to Carleton and Forfisher, who won their respective regional T20 competitions this week. Carleton defeated Grange in the final of the Masterton Trophy at Grange Lone, whilst Forfisher got the better of our growth in the Caledonian Murgatroyd. They and Fergusley now await the winners of the Borders T20 in the national finals day next month.
1: Congratulations too to Ross County, winners in the final of the NOSCA T20 against Forest St Lawrence and to Hillhead and Morton who have reached the final of the Cricket Scotland Challenge Cup which will be played on August the 8th.
3: Scotland's Performance Academy claimed two wins out of two against the Yorkshire Performance Academy at Golden Acre whilst the under-17s girls won three out of four games they played against the Yorkshire under-18s including their first ever 100-ball match. Well
1: done to all of them. A load of news this week, Rosie. A lot. A lot. So (laughs) another important date in the calendar will be the start of the T20 trial series in which, as Shane Berger was telling us last week, 40 of Scotland's best players will play ahead of the selection of the final 15-man squad for the T20 World Cup. A lot has happened in the five years that have passed since Scotland's last appearance in the competition, and who better to chat to about it than Mark Watt, who made his breakthrough into the national side in the run-up to the tournament in India. But before we got onto that, I asked him what he made of the latest cricketing innovation. Welcome Mark, great to see you, how are you doing?
0: I'm good, thank you Jake, thanks for having me
1: on. Absolute pleasure to have you in chat again. Um, So before we get on to Scotland and the T20 World Cup, I must ask you about the burning issue in the world of cricket at the moment. Um, What are you making of the 100?
0: I think I'm enjoying it. I'm not not even (laughs) too sure myself. Um, I'm still yet to get through a whole game. Um, But, you know, with that tournament that's that's happening, it's great to see other boys and our team getting a shot in the one-day stuff. And uh, I'm sure in years to come, our boys will be able to get a few gigs in the hundred. Um, but no, I think it's I think it's interesting. It's great for the women's game. Great to see um, some of the Scots flying a flag uh, last night and um, some great performances. So yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely all for it. If we can get some more Scottish people into it and then um, and getting them performing on the big stage.
1: Let's add on 20 more balls uh, and talk a bit about the T20 World Cup. So after everything that's happened over the last year, it's starting to feel that little bit closer now with the, the redraw for the first round of the competition coming on the same day as the announcement of the 40-man squad for the Scotland Trial Series. So what are your your thoughts about all of that at the moment?
0: I think it's just really exciting. I think after, you know, once um, again, about two years now just... Lack of international cricket, it's been. Um, it's a really exciting period. You know, the World Cup's step door. going to happen, so um, everyone's just gearing up for some more games to represent the country. And you know, it's been a really strong 40-man squad that's been announced. So competition places is tough. Um, everyone, everyone's fighting for that spot on the plane to um, to Oman and UAE. So um, yeah, everyone's just rearing to go, training hard, and um, just really excited for for a good end to uh, 20, 2021. We've got a great chance to get through that that stage now. Um, we did it, we did it before, but I think um, I think it's really just a really exciting end to the year, and hopefully we can um, we can get through that initial initial stage and then get in and then knock some big teams over.
1: Yeah, with, with everything so up in the air at the moment, with the international situation um unclear exactly what's going to be happening with with international cricket just uh, just right now, it's going to be a really important series in providing the best quality practice that we can domestically as well, isn't
0: it? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it's tough when when you're born and I guess crossing the regional when you train with them five times a week and he kinda knows what you're gonna do and he knows all your tricks. So and uh, if anything it kinda keeps you guessing and keeps you thinking on your toes and then uh, makes you think of different things. So I think as long as we can control the controllables and, you know um, a lot of stuff that's out of our hands as players. So as long as we can control, the control both play well and uh, train hard. I'm sure we'll be in a great place for
1: some World Cup time. It'll also provide an opportunity for some new names to put their, their hats in the ring, potentially. And that's why it's really interesting to speak to you, because if we cast our minds back to 2015, that was very much yourself. You know, you've made your debut in Ireland, but it was that qualifier in 2015 and then the World T20 in 2016 that really, really established your place in the side.
0: Yeah, to be fair, it was quite a tough tournament for myself in 2015 after um, after Shazzy took me apart at the Grange. Um, but no, I think um, I think our team's definitely um, improved since then, especially in the T20 format. I think we've got people all the way down the order that can just come in any time they want and hit sixes from ball one, um, which is an impressive skill to have, and it's going to be massive for our to play T T20 campaign this year. Um, well, I was working a lot with Quan at that moment. And um, he just kind of helped me a lot about speaking about pace of bowling and T20 and uh, went to dart and just kind of having a field set and what ball, ball to your different field. So he definitely helped me a lot um, in the, in my younger years coming through into the Scotland side. Um, and then to start kind of ahead of him in, in the first game in India was quite a shocking but It just showed how much uh, eight Grant had in him me. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll never forget that tournament. It was, it was probably the best tournament I'd played in. And um just just the excitement of something of leading up to a World Cup and representing your country and seeing a national anthem at the World Cup for the special. So uh, yeah, it was, it was a great time and uh, hopefully we can do do one better this year.
1: You've already mentioned his name just in, in passing there. I mean when we when we look back to that time, Mohammed Shazad and the experience that you had in, in twenty fifteen that you touched on, but then meeting him again in the tournament in twenty sixteen, that was something of a, a sort of formative moment for you.
0: Oh, I had an absolute shocker, didn't I, Grange? <laughs> I um, I remember it so vividly. As well. I was speaking to like, all my friends and my family. I was like, "Oh, I'm going to be playing on Sky Sports. You know, you got to tune in and watch me." And I just got taken apart. So a bit of a learning curve there. It's not just going to happen for you. And then uh, no, but to be to be fair, uh, I went went away, looked at my game, see what I could do differently. I didn't really have a ball back then, where I should back myself just to get them off straight um, I put the pressure on to someone else, but. Uh, I think I went away for about a year and had a look at what I could do, spoke to some people, and I then came back and just... That first, first game was against him, the first ball, actually, was against it. and then I just remember, I remember at the top of the mark just being, like, just really relaxed, um, even though the first ball went before, and I was like, oh, God, it might be happening again. Um, I just remember being really relaxed, and, and then I just knew that the, the work that I put in that year uh, was going to help me in, the,
1: in those tough moments. And it was a breakthrough tournament for Scotland uh, as well in that we, we had that first global win at a, or first win at a global competition uh, against Hong Kong. I mean, what what are your overriding memories of that and the the significance of that with what had gone before against Afghanistan and, and Zimbabwe?
0: To be fair, I don't really think it kind of it hit me um, because I was so young and in the squad. That was kind of my first major tournament. Um, I don't think it really hit me until until they came back home that we you know won again at World Cup. So um yes the boys were the boys were all happy but I feel like we we're still frustrated and because we knew we could have got through to the to the main group stage. Um, so yes we were happy that we got the monkey the shoulder but again still disappointed that we could have we had two games where we could have went and uh, snatched the victory and, and got ourselves through. So um yeah it was bittersweet.
1: There is that other angle to the tournament which which was also crucial from a scotland perspective in that it was in many ways the final piece of the jigsaw that led to that new approach that began then in the desert t20 and then went through the england win and on to to where we are today i mean so many of today's players played in 2016 but what would you say are the main differences in the team from then to now
0: that's a good question (laughs) I think it's just the way that we conduct ourselves in and around training every single day and the mindset that we have. Um, you know, I think we've got a mindset now that on our day we could beat any team in the world. Um, we probably still had that back then, but I think we even more belief in, our, in ourselves and having more belief in the person sitting next to you in the gym gym. Um I believe that anyone of us in the team could go out and, and star in an IPL or, a, or any sort of uh, tournament. So... Uh, I think it's just having the belief in or in your squad and in yourself that you, know, you can go and knock over anything.
1: A very different prospect then that we've got looking looking ahead to October than that team that, that lost out so narrowly to Afghanistan and Zimbabwe. Absolutely, absolutely.
3: Mark Watt there. And so to look over to the weekend's domestic action, we're joined by Gary Heatley. Welcome, Gary. Good to have you back. Thanks, guys. Good to be back. And after last week's double header in the Eastern Premier, things are hotting up in the title race even more.
4: Yes, it looks like we're now in for a four-team title race after Harriet's Carlton, Forfisher and Grange all won last Saturday. Leaders Herriotts scored a first-11 club record 402 runs after they made the short trip to Enverleaf to play bottom-of-the-table Stuart's Melville. And we're on top in that game from the very first ball. Peter Ross set the tone with 54 from just 45 balls, opening the batting before he fell to Chris Bissett. By that stage, Matthew Cross was already well-set and in his stride, and he, he and Hayes Vandenberg came together to put on a superb 176-run partnership with the second wicket. In the end, they made 180 not out of 158 balls and 136-of-104 balls, respectively, hitting 28-4s and 14-6s between them to help the side over 400. The 402-for-2 from 50-overs beat the club's previous record of 346 from 2012 against the MRACIs the same score against Stuart's Melville in 2018. The run chase was always going to be very difficult for the hosts, and it became almost impossible when they stumbled to 42 for six. In the end, they were bowled out for just 69 to lose by a massive 333 runs. Gavin May in the pick of the Harriets bowlers with four wickets. Carlton remained in second after they defeated Watsonian's Grange loan. Opener Murray Whittaker made 70, Tom Simpson backed up his match-winning Maston Trophy knock with 99, and Skipper Ali Evans made 62 as the home side posted 267 for five, batting first. What's when in standing skipper, Raleigh Harris, made 65 in reply, but when the key man was out to leave his side 120 for five, the Innings subsided. The Meyer side men, who are fifth in the table, were 130 all out, which caught them in by 137 runs, with Evans and Angus Pt both taking three wickets. The Forfeiture, third, after they pulled Stoney Dice, now in eighth place, out for 116 at Fort Hill. Tim top scored with 31 for the visitors but Fergus Duncan and Jack Hogarth took four wickets apiece and then Craig Wallace led the way with 48 not out as the force got home by nine wickets and having lost their three recent games in various competitions, fourth place Grange were always like to put someone to the sword soon and RH Kerstorfen were the unlucky side at Portgower Place seventh place RHC batted first and were skittled out for just 25 runs. Chief destroyer with the ball for Grange was Dylan Budge was almost unplayable, according to the amazing figures of seven for eight from just eight overs, which included four maidens. Young Jack Jarvis took two for four, and Chris Sowell one for nine, as nowhere at RHC batter scored more than five runs. Granger's reply, Captain Tom Foles led the way with 12 not out, as Grange took just 3.5 overs to secure an eight-wicket victory. And afterwards I heard from Captain Foles.
0: Quite a one-sided uh, affair, as you'd imagine. Um, but yeah, our bowlers were were outstanding. Obviously you can see by the scorecard how well Dylan bowled. In his own words, he says that's the, the best he's bowled all season, which is fantastic, kind of hitting his stride um the week before a Scottish Cup semi-final. But actually Chris Saul at the other end bowled extremely well. They couldn't really get him away, which built lots of pressure and allowed Dylan to do do what he did at the other end. But yeah, I mean we with a semi-final next week it's Perhaps you look at it and say it's not the ideal preparation, but we've got a, a week to work hard towards next Sunday. But yeah, I think uh, all in all, all in all, a good day.
4: Tom Folds there. And finally, our both are sixth in the table after a 173-run win over ninth place Meagaw at Lachlan's. Our both batted first, and player-coach Matthew Parker at 97 and Ross McLean 95, as they made 260 for five. McLean then opened the bowling and Meagles replied with his spin and took two early scalps, while young seamer Daniel Simon continues his good season with three wickets, as the Victory Park men were all out for 87. For so all in all, a fascinating weekend of Eastern Prairie Division action.
3: Thanks, Gary. So, Jake, turning to the West, you were at what might turn out to be a significant game at the lower end of the table.
1: That's right Rosie, I was at Albert Park for Langside's clash with Dumfries, the team just a single place ahead of them in the Western Premier Division table. Home skipper Samir Zia had talked about the league within a league when we spoke for the preview in the run-up to the game, and with Pollock and Greenock facing difficult trips to Fergusley and Uddingston respectively, here was a real chance to put a bit of daylight between themselves and the bottom two. And they did it in what was a really thrilling contest on a difficult pitch, with Samir playing the captain's role to the full. He batted beautifully in the first innings, unfurling some cracking drives as he moved effortlessly along. But it was a different story at the other end, where only Mohamed Adnan was able to give him any lasting support... Dumfries bowled well, Alan Davidson threatening and Chris Brockwell always a handful on that dusty track but a few rash shots certainly didn't help Langside's cause with several batsmen choosing the wrong option of a big shot to try and relieve the pressure. Zia fell to Brockwell one short of what would have been a deserved 50 but that was pretty much it with Zeeshan Khan the only other batsman to make double figures. 135 all out with exactly 7 overs to spare. Langside haven't batted out 50 overs yet this season. That total looked a good 30 runs short at the halfway point, but patience was going to be needed to chase it down, especially when the fourth ball of the innings pitched then scooted shin high to Andrew Dawson's alarm. That unpredictable bounce then cost Dumfries their first wicket in the fourth over as Scott Beveridge went to pull a ball that just didn't get up, but slow and steady batting got them to 33 with no further loss by the end of the 10th. But then the game of cat and mouse truly began. Dawson fell LBW with the score on 43, before James Cox cracked a straight six off the first ball of the 21st to take the total onto 69. But then he fell to Mo and with fellow spinner Zia getting in on the action with the wicket of Brockwell, the alarm bells were starting to ring. It's a long way away, shouted someone in the field, and with LBW shouts and proper full-on celeb appeals aplenty, the pressure was certainly being ramped up to 11. But time and wickets were on Dumfries' side, and when Alan Davidson smashed a free hit for six to take the score into 90, it seemed like those extra few runs were going to cost Langside the game. But, enter Zia, bowling Davidson for nine and then Tommy McGrath for three, and when Robert McBride fell next ball, caught by Adnan for 36 to give Ali his second wicket, the visitors' challenge was crumbling. Two more for Zia, and a final flourish from Ali wrapped up the innings. 129 all out, a win for Langside by just nine runs. So after it, I spoke to the two captains, Samir Zia, and an understandably gutted Chris McCutcheon. Yeah, it's a tough pill to swallow, I'd say. Um, I'd say positively, it was a really good game of cricket for both teams, so I think, weather, sportsmanship, was good all around it was a good game of cricket, but yeah, it was from the position we were in, I think... Uh, yeah, I mean, 138 looked like not the biggest total, but a tricky pitch, tendency to keep low. It was always going to be quite a, quite a tough chase, one of those difficult chases. Yeah, I think that's very. we knew it was a... The pitch was a, obviously a used pitch previously, and I think we chose to bat first personally because I think we were an unfortunate side. A couple that stayed a bit low, an LB from it, a bold from it. So, yeah, I but it own short choices. It's up to us to do it. But still, back at home next week with a visit of Fergusley. Yeah, so same full team. A lot of positives in the field today, especially the bowling, on the young guys. So just carry it into next week. It's a tough game. Fergus are a good team, but yeah, welcome to Dumfries. See what happens. Sammy, an amazing game. Great win and a really important win as well.
2: Oh, absolutely. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, it was a good win. Um, um, low total. We were only um, defending 138 and the key is to defend a low totals, to take any wickets at the start. Um we, we didn't take many wickets at the start but bowlers bowled well in the middle overs and the fielders took the catch so yeah good result.
1: Yeah, I mean as you say 138 looked a, looked a wee bit light but you must be really pleased with the way that everybody stuck to their task in the field.
2: Oh absolutely. I get, I'm, I'm so proud of the get. I'm so proud of guys uh, the way they they fielded bowl. and um, um, to be honest, if you ask me honestly, we were shot at least 30, 40 runs on this wicket. Uh, I think wicket has to offer a lot. What we didn't capitalise in the middle uh, when we were betting but um, coming back to the field and bowling, I think I think the boy, boys done an amazing job.
1: And fantastic to take a win onto Hamilton Crescent next week.
2: Oh yes, looking forward to if we win. Uh, that's going to be good. Um, that's going to be our uh, fourth win. Um, is is it's never easy to go to West of Scotland and play there and win the game. Um, they have some amazing cricketers, um, the captain, Ian Young. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. We, we, we We won last two games, so morale is high, confidence is high. So it's going to be a good game. Congratulations again. Thank you very much. Cheers.
1: That win sees Langside leapfrog Dumfries into 7th place in the table. Greenock remain rooted to the bottom after a heavy defeat at Uddingston, for whom Moa Awais and Harmajit Singh both scored centuries as they piled on 248 runs for the second wicket. Ross Lyons then took 4 for 19 as the visitors were bowled out for 141 in reply, a 228-run win for Brian Clark's side, who now move up to 4th. Fergusley added to Pollock's woes with a 218-run win at Meekle Riggs, Gaffar taking four for 34, while Prestwick overcame West of Scotland by 28 runs to maintain their third place in the standings. Clydesdale stayed top, but only after being pushed all the way at New Williamfield, where Stirling County fell 17 runs short in their chase of the visitors' 211 for nine. Brandon McMullen hit 70 for the hosts, while visiting skipper Paddy Barber made another half century. But more worrying is the Achilles injury suffered in the field by Clydesdale's Craig Young. All our very best to him for a speedy recovery.
4: So, on to round three of the Women's Super Series, where the Sutton 11 had the best of things, Rosie. Yes, Gary, two
3: wins for the Sutton 11, so then level up the series at 3 all going into next week's round at Golden Acre. But it didn't look like it was going to end up that way at the very start as the Ross 11 came out the blocks with all guns blazing. Abby Aitken batted really well again for 45, with her side sitting at 98 for 3 at the halfway point. A score of 200 looked on the cards, but the Sutton dragged it back brilliantly, taking the last five wickets for 14 runs as the Rosses were bowled out for 136, with more than three overs to spare. Still a reasonable total, but after the start they had, the Ross 11 expected far more. Still, they made a good start in their defence of it with Hannah Rainey in the thick of the action with two catches and a wicket as the Sutton 11 reached 39 for three off the power play. And then when Katie McGill was well stumped by Elsa Lister and um, Emma Walsingham bowled for a beauty from Catherine Fraser, the Suttons were in trouble at 83 for five. The crucial wicket in the form of Priya Naz Chatterjee, made it 104 for 7. And it looked as if the Rosses were going to close the win. But that was without factoring in the experienced head of Samantha Hagel. In the Women's Premier League, she played a brilliant innings for Carlton against UML, which so nearly changed the game. And whilst it didn't come off that day for her side, here it most certainly did. The same Sam Hagel was there again, running superbly and finding boundaries when it mattered as she and Ornola Montgomery whittled the target down, eventually winning within the 19th over, a fitting end to what had been a great game. Game two was a lower scoring affair as the pitch got a little harder to score on as the day wore on. The Sutton 11 posted 121, thanks in large part to Lorna Jack's 31 and Priya Naz Chatterjee's 26. Catherine Fraser taking three for 11 and Neve Robertson-Jack taking three for 31 as the wickets tumbled around them. But the Ross 11 chase never got going as eight for one quickly became 40 for seven and when two more fell in the two balls with the score on 69, it looked as if there was going to be an early finish. But Peter Ross will have been pleased by the last wicket partnership of Anne Sturgis and Zoe Rennie who batted well to take the score up to 91 for nine at the end of the 20th over. 30 runs short, but they both took their chance to impress. So at the end of the day, Jake spoke to the two captains, Katie McGill and Becky Glenn, and to the Ross 11, Megan McCall, to get her take on how the series has been so far.
1: Katie, two great wins today. You must be delighted.
3: Yeah, absolutely buzzing. Um, I think real team performances both times. And I think as a group, we're starting to find our vibe and our fight. Um, so, really pleased with all the girls for that.
1: Some really terrific individual performances, but a word for Sam Hago in that first game really brought it home for you.
3: Oh, talk about her finishes and in innings, and uh, so pleased to see her get that and, and do it in a true Sammy style, like her shots and running that way. Um, yeah, absolutely over the moon for her and buzzing on the sideline, I couldn't sit down.
1: And it sets the series up beautifully 3 all, uh, Golden Acre next week.
3: Yeah, looking forward to playing there. So, a lot of us train there, so we know and we know it's great facilities and they've looked after us nicely, so it's good to be able to take the games to them.
1: So Becky, difficult day today, another good day's cricket, but not to be for your side.
3: Yeah, quite disappointing. Um, to come away with two losses is not ideal after two big wins last week. Um, some positives we can take from it. I thought we bowled and fielded really well in the second game, um, just didn't follow up with the bat. If we're going to have a one bad batting performance, I hope that that's it and we get it out of the way, because we've been so strong beforehand. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the games have been so evenly matched all the way through. I mean, both sides have had one defeat that's been a, a bit heavy, but everything else has been very much nip and tuck and could have gone either way.
3: Yeah, two really evenly matched teams. I think I'm going to back us and say we're a little bit stronger, but um, I think that's just me backing my gills. Um We evenly matched, like you said, but I think we're going to come through and hopefully get a couple of wins.
1: Megan, another great day's cricket today. Tell me, how do you think the series is going from your point of view?
5: Um, I think the series is, is going well. Obviously, today we didn't, you know, we we kind of lost lost two games, which, you know, I think we should have won, but just we let ourselves down with the bat. Um, I just I just think I think the series is quite even, and I think it's it's a good series because all the games have been quite tight, which I think is quite it's quite positive, and everybody's. You know, both teams are putting on performances, which is like it's a good it's a good sign for Scottish women's cricket. Anyway,
1: that's definitely the case, isn't it? I mean, we've had four games that have been high scoring and very very close, and even the two games that were that were less close, the other team was by no means out of it.
5: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think like like even even today with a game that obviously we've not we've not performed in the second game with a bat, like the top order especially, um, but. Our lower order have done really like did really well to keep them out there for twenty overs anyway and put a decent total on the board compared to what we might have got bowled out for. So yeah, I think I think all the games, even if not been high scoring, they're just quite close. Yeah.
1: And everything to play for at Goldmaker next week.
5: Yeah, for sure. We'll be looking to get get like two two nil up again to get the two wins. So I think we can definitely do it. We just have to. Perform with a bat and then perform in the field with a ball as well. Yeah.
1: The Megan McCall. Thank you very much.
5: Thank you.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Megan McCall, ending that report there. So, looking ahead, what is catching your eye on the week ahead, Gary?
4: Well, the big game in the Eastern Premier Division this Saturday has got to be second place Carlton against Leaders Heriots. Both sides have been on top form recently, with their batters particularly impressive, and it's really going to be too close to calling that one. Also, on Sunday, the Scottish Cup semi final should both be crackers. Ranger hosting Heriot's Gorgard Place, while Clydesdale are all working on what's when it is to Titwood. And finally, I'm also excited to see how the Scots continue to go in the 100, which has been really enjoyable to watch so far. And also see how George Munsey keeps on going for Kent. It's great to see him doing so well down south.
1: Yeah, I'd echo all of that. And for me, I'd add in the, the game between Stirling County and Uddingston in the Western Premier, which I'll be at next week. Uh, two excellent sides sitting next to each other in the table and hopefully we'll get to see Brad wheel take his chance to fly the flag for Scotland's men in the hundred as well
3: well I'm certainly looking forward to another regional series uh, super series for the women and seeing if the Ross 11 can bring it back next week
1: uh, very much looking forward to everything already but that's it from us for another week thanks to all our guests and to you as always for listening Until next Tuesday, from the three of us, goodbye.